you know, our, us like skiers, at least we're, we're a really unique group, man. We just love hawking ourselves left, right, and center, north, south, east, and west off of random things for no good reason other than pure pleasure. Shouts out Canada. Legend. Hand warmers. Dude, if your hands are cold, warm them up. Underrated. No, I was crunching numbers on my Excel <laughs> spreadsheet. Found, uh, you know, I, I found a proper discount rate for a stock and it broke my back. What's up, everybody? We're back at the Passion Report. Today, we got the guest, none other than YT, Steep Steep. He is the biggest in the YouTube game. He is bringing skiing to a whole different group of audience. And he is an amazing, wholesome Canadian and just a whole ball of hype. So we're going to get into a bit more what he's about and sort of what... I don't know, just get more insight on the social media landscape these days. So without further ado, let's have Meeks take us in. Oh, wave out, no wave in. <laughs> yeah, hard body, hard body. Cut a cut a cut. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Okay, now, now we're back in the mood. Tell the world where you're from. Uh, from Canada, uh, originally born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta. If you're familiar with it, not a lot going on there other than raising cattle to make burgers. Um, but eventually made the move just about a year ago over to Kelowna, British Columbia in the Okanagan Valley. It's kind of like, it's honestly, it, it's kind of like Canada's California, man. It's pretty lovely over there. I mean, we got everything that the lake can offer us. We got mountains, we got, we got beer. It's good. Yeah, since, I mean, you moved there a year ago, correct? Yeah, yeah, very recently. Yeah, since then, I've only heard super good things about Kelowna come out. Oh, no, you got to come out, man. There's good There's good snow. Definitely. So tell us about how, how did you end up from Edmonton to Kelowna? Yeah, so like kind of talking a little bit earlier, I uh, started out skiing at a very young age, you know, four years old. Parents put me on the, the bunny hill doing the pizza fr uh, french fry action. Got that dialed in, moving to ski racing, did okay. Hated the downhill suits. Like, I wasn't a big fan of skiing gates. I don't know if you ever did any racing yourself, but it's one thing to have to, like, some people, I, I respect it. It's an incredible sport, a lot of discipline, a lot of, lot of talent. But for me, I wasn't down to ski the same set of gates three nights a week. And the final check was they handed me a downhill suit when I was like 13 to shave a couple seconds off my run, which is, it's a big deal. I wasn't going to ski in tights minus 20, 25. I threw it, I threw it to the side, joined the freestyle team, uh, worked my way up the ranks, um, and uh, eventually fractured my L5 uh, in, in my spine, attempting to cork nine just on a flat airbag. It's it kind of a tragic moment, but it eventually it led on to this YouTube channel that I started up. I wouldn't, I would not be doing this YouTube thing if it weren't for that back break. So you can grow some beautiful petunias out of some nasty things in your life. Um, but also on the same side, while I was doing that, I was seeking the whole professional grind. I was, I was pursuing a career in finance, working at an investment management firm, doing my undergrad in finance as well at the local university. But eventually YouTube just got to a point where it was like, you can almost make a living off of this, just skiing and biking. So uh, I figured out or I, I had to come to a, a conclusion that my body was only going to be able to do doubles for so long or attempt to double. I still have yet to really properly ride out on a double backflip. Um, but finance will always be there in, in the future. So I took a leap, jumped off a cliff and said, hey, let's go pursue YouTube full time. And I took that to Kelowna, BC. Definitely. And are you... Did it come easier than you expected when you jumped off a cliff and like, okay, content creation full time or has it been a struggle? Yeah, man. Like it's been thinking about it, like realistically that moment, that inflection point was only like a year, year and a half ago. And if you just sit here and think about that last year and a half, 
like it, it's a wild ride, ride, man. It, it's a journey with a whole lot of highs. Definitely, you know, there's some lows in there as, as there is with anything in life. But overall, man, it, um, it was scary, you know, leaving that, that consistent, the safety that a, a constant paycheck can bring you. And, um, also the passion for finance was there. I was stoked on it. It was something I enjoyed, but obviously not to the same extent of skiing and biking. So it was really hard to leave that behind, leave all the family and friends behind as well, uh, in the, in the hometown. But, it's, it was the best decision I could have ever made for myself. It's been crazy. I want to be sitting, talking to Alex Hackle, S Games Real Ski legend right now. Knuckle Huck legend. You're, you're making me blush. Uh-uh. Uh, so I guess when you started your channel, was it just something you did for fun? Or was it something where you're like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if this became my full-time job? Or like, what was your thought when you first started your channel? No, definitely for fun, man. Like there, You probably had it a lot and people will reach out to you and say, how do I get to your point? How do I do what you do? I want to be, be a pro skier. I want to be a content creator for this niche, this, this and that. And a lot of them, you'll tell them, it's like, yeah, you might see the overnight success, man, but that's 1% of the population. If that the rest of us, the 99, you got to put in, I put in a good four years of just pure passion play projects before I even started to see a proper dime from it. So for me, it just started purely as a passion project. You know, I was on bed rest, my back was broken. I couldn't even run up my staircase. I could barely stand for more than a couple minutes without my legs going numb. So I was just hopping on making YouTube videos to fill the time. Uh, eventually again, I made a full recovery. So I was able to start skiing again. Um, but I continued to keep up with making YouTube videos while trying to hold down my equity analyst job while also studying for a a designation for an investment manager while also running a full course load at university amongst all the other things in life. Let's give you some arus. Dude, I don't deserve. No, you're you're a hardworking man, I would say. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Like uh, luck and opportunity, they happen to people that work hard. And when you just listed all the things you were doing. I appreciate it. And that's the thing, like 90, 99% of the time, you just got to grind for it. And it's not even a grind if you love it, man. Like it wasn't, I was exhausted, but I still wake up and make another YouTube video if I had the time because I just, I loved it, man. That's amazing. And was that like, so you said you broke your back when you were 15? Yeah, about first time was about 17. I think I was 17 or 18. That was the cork nine on the airbag. Uh, that one, yeah, that was a crack. It wasn't anything crazy. We're not talking like a candied Dovex, like rupture. It was just a, a stress fracture. The problem with it was uh, the, the area. It was right by my sciatic nerve. And that's the nerve that basically gives feeling to all of your legs. So it was always pinching that nerve. I didn't give it enough time to recover. Um, I basically went back on skis after two months. I didn't understand the severity of it. And then eventually a work-related injury actually ended up re-cracking that same fracture. So it's, I guess you could say it's kind of an exaggeration to say was broken two times but it was fractured like twice like i refractured the same fracture uh, a couple years later and that's what put me out for a good year and a half before i was able to ski or do anything again so what first comes to my mind is you're working in finance and you had a work-related injury that broke your back please can you elaborate yeah so what ended up happening was during my year off of high school so finance was during university so i guess to give you the timeline 17 first back break uh uh, come back skiing i'm ski coaching i'm not competing anymore because i had to put the competitive side of skiing uh, to the side just because my back at least that's what the doctor was saying so i decided to take up coaching i graduate high school before i land my job as an equity analyst at an investment firm i take a year off to make some money in the trades so i worked as a laborer for about nine months before i refractured it again 
Okay, that makes sense. That makes more sense yeah. than no. I was crunching numbers on my Excel <laughs> spreadsheet. Found uh, you know, I, I found a proper discount rate for a stock, and it broke my back. Definitely. And where did your head go now? Because like, okay, you yeah. broke your back once. Now two years later, you broke your back again. Now a year and a half. I mean, that's you. I mean, you mountain bike every day. You ski every day. Yeah. And like, what? Where did your head go when all that stuff was taken? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're a pro athlete. You you've dealt with uh, injury, so you you can totally uh, you know sympathize with the situation as a lot of uh, your viewers i'm sure can but um the first backbreak it wasn't bad like it was uh, i was a young gun it was i didn't think it was that bad just went back after a couple of months of sitting down and letting it recover clearly it wasn't enough second time it was ruthless man like again i it, it was insane to me that something as simple as running up the stairs uh, was taken away from me and it, it's 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 one thing to go through like a backbreak isn't necessarily painful at least the one i experienced Obviously, when you can't walk, like a little bit, you lose feeling your legs. It's scary, but it's just that mental mind game, man, that is so brutal on you. Like if you have, you know, our, us like skiers, at least we're, we're a really unique group, man. We just love hucking ourselves left, right, and center, north, south, east, and west off of random things for no good reason other than pure pleasure for, for what it gives us pleasure for whatever reason. When that's taken away from you, that is so hard to sit down and just like lay in your bed, man. It was it was killing. It was a very dark, dark period, man. So it was really cool to see YouTube come in at, at, at that time and uh, really give me something to look forward to in the day. Definitely. And your first YouTube videos, they were mainly playing Shred Sauce or Steep Steep. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Or, or Steep, the yeah. game Steep. I like how you call it Steep Steep now. Oh, it's yeah, not. yeah, it's synonymous <laughs> with you. Um, so I'm going to play a little sound bite from one of your oh, first videos wow. to put you back in that Damn. mood. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's your <laughs> boneless chicken wing. Yo. Steve, Steve coming back with another video for you, peeps. Brushing and, uh, my teeth. I just wanted to let you know, it's difficult to talk while you're brushing your teeth. Straight up, to this day, still true. Still <laughs> facts. true. Only facts. What a throwback. You did, you did some digging. I did some digging. But, uh, so tell me, I guess I... I want to know a bit about like how are you you're so authentic on your channel like you you just i don't even know what you said we like pulling up this clip we listened to a bunch but yeah. that was like you were from day one yourself and like how, how are you so authentic on camera yeah it's a it's a good question like i think you're giving me a lot of unmerited praise because like i always tell people i appreciate like much love man but i have like 500 videos on my youtube channel and about half of them like 200 are private and those are kind of the, the first ones. And to maybe the outside viewer, they're not as cringe, but to me, they are so cringy. Like I, at the start, it was actually, it was really difficult. I remember like trying to record um, with my, I didn't have a mic at the time. I just had a computer. I figured out how to finally grab my, my gameplay. So I, I had my iPad in front of me recording on my huge, like second generation iPad using that as a mic. And it was so staticky. The, the quality was so poor. I remember trying to lower my voice a little bit. You know, this was prior to showing my face yet so i was trying to come off as this like manly cool you know cool dude or whatever playing this video game and trying to tell like stories like i was i was watching uh, this guy x code a if you if you know him he's kind of this uh, stoner storyteller on youtube or whatever just trying to come across a little bit not genuine and then out of nowhere i, I don't know what happened there wasn't necessarily a shift but i think once i eventually just started to like show my face and i don't know i, I just got more comfortable i think on camera and then Fast forward to today, it really is like I don't try to be anybody else because I just put the camera on when I'm stoked. 
and like skiing and even like steep in the day, man, like still to this day, I figured that game out to, to a T. And when I saw somebody throw something sick, like flick technique, single cork, 1440 going for a wild grab combo in it, tweaking all ways and making it look super steezy knees together landing i got amped man so like doing steep top fives reactions to those like i was just it was just recording my genuine reaction man so how do i just get excited about skiing that that's beautiful so tell us like so you're doing the whole like tread sauce kind of like playing the game and then like what's like the breakout moment like is there a breakout moment for steep seeps channel yeah like the second video i ever posted this is what well, there, there's a couple. So I, I posted one steep montage, uh, the very first video that did okay. And then I posted the second one. And I remember looking a month later, it netted 100,000 views. <clears throat> wow. And I was really confused as to how that happened. It was just like, I put some suicide boys in the background of some like uh, steep road to the Olympics gameplay and it just blew up out of nowhere. And that was to the point where I was like, oh, maybe this can be something. Maybe we can uh, create a community. And it was kind of coming in at a time where steep was dying. There wasn't any more really coming out with the game. There's a few projects here and there, uh, but there wasn't really any uh, online community for it. So I kind of came in. I was lucky with that, that nobody else was really, you know, doing big community content creation with it. There was a few people for sure, but not, not, not a massive presence. And then eventually that made me post more steep gameplay. And then eventually I was able to ski again. And then I started doing these ski reactions, but the, the biggest inflection point that it really turned into something was after being on skis for uh, about a year and starting to do some reaction content. Um, I, I wanted to do a, a video kind of the, on, on the history of the nines you know, Suzuki nines, Audi nines, uh, Swatch nines now. Uh, so I basically made this big video going over the nines history, some of the biggest stunts in it, highlighting a lot of moments in the comp. And then the founder, Nico Zaskic, who you know very well, uh, reached out and said, this is sick. How, how would you like to see it in the flesh? So fast That's, forward. Uh, air horns for Nico. <laughs> Legend. Such a nice guy. So, okay, let's put some age. So how old were you when you started your channel? uh like 18 18 and then how old were you when nico reached out to you and was like let's do this in person 20 21 22 21 or 22 and how old are you today 24 24 you're a young guy how old are you i'm 27 congrats i you're like tall i i for some reason i thought you were like the same age if not older than me dude you got you got this going i got i got this going yeah you know? for the for the listeners he's talking about my beard it's a nice one so Nico reached out to you and I guess I just want to, before getting into that, just say that I, I personally, so I came across your channel when you're doing the reaction videos and you were reacting to real ski. And those were like yeah. the, the first ones that I came across. Yeah. And I was like, who's this quirky Canadian? Uh, but my favorite videos of yours on your channel is when you like, you do some journalism. Like there's, there's yeah. a couple of videos there where you like, you know, really break down. Like I was watching the one with uh, Sam Bumgardner. Oh where, yeah. Uh, on the transfers, and you break down all his transfers. And I mean, I think that those are super awesome. So if you if you Thanks, haven't checked them out, go check them out on his channel. Oh, much love. Yeah, no, that's kind of been a recent endeavor too. Now, so like after being able to ski with all the legends and you know all the, all the people I've looked up to for for so long, and kind of create a little bit of a, a personal relationship, reaching out and doing like these kind of journalistic uh, one-off interview videos that just highlight some of their biggest moments, man. Because this stuff deserves attention, you know. And, and I love skiing because you meet so many people who do not care for the views, like. Like shout out Mark DeLandre, you know, uh, I think I butchered his name, Mark Andre. Have you seen The Alpinist? 
Yes. Yeah. 100%. What's what's his name? Mark uh, Mark Mark De, De Andre. He has like two names. Yeah. But it's Mark it's, Andre. Yeah. What? Mark something. Uh, anyway, you know who I'm yeah, talking yeah, we about. Know. The that is like that is the pinnacle. That man could have had all the fame, all the O's in his bank account if he wanted to pursue endorsements and sponsorships and films. But dude, he did not care. He just cared to go to Mount Robson and summon it without a camera crew or even an Instagram post. And I appreciate and respect that so hard, but I also want people like my mom, like for real, my mom to understand how crazy that is. And it's the same thing with skiing, man. Like Sam Baumgartner doing a trip 14 across that New Zealand uh, um, gap that one person straight aired before, you know, like that deserves some light. So it's just really cool to do that. And definitely, I think that's also like your talent. It's like through your enthusiasm you have like that infectious enthusiasm and then through your enthusiasm people then understand i appreciate you and uh it's very beautiful so you get out there you're at the nines what's it like now because now you've like you've made a career yeah. of of reacting and playing online internet games and then all of a sudden you're in the flesh at that event yeah i th this was uh the 2021 cram montana nines that course was Disneyland. There was so, so many emotions, man. I, I, I remember going up on that gondola vividly. Like it was a full, like 20 hours of travel. I got to Cran Montana, uh, at about like 2 PM that day. And I still haven't slept. It's been like maybe going on hour, like 22, 23 hours of travel. Yeah, I mean, you're used to this and you get there and it's daytime. You want to go to bed, but then Nico's just like, yeah, we're up here session. Come out. So I just like drop off my, all my stuff, go up on the gondola, find my way. I'm just like, I'm ready. My tear ducts are swollen, man. Like I have no idea where I am. It's so wild to me. And finally, once you get up to the top, you do a little ski over and then there's a roller like on the top of the, the, the glacier there that you look over and then you see the course. So each of the inch of the course continue, uh, continuously gets revealed to me as I'm walking across. And it was like, dude, it's, it was so surreal to see a build, the nines build, my first ever pro build, course build ever, that being the nines, especially the 2022 one with the sphere, like that Uvlia thing, the downward spiraling loop. It was, it was Disneyland, man. And everybody that you've been watching since day one, you know, Alex Hall was there um, and seeing him sesh, like Matej Sponsor was there, Jesper Shader was there, like seeing all those pros that you just look up to right there. They're not, they're not CGI creations. They're real human beings. It was mental, man. It was so cool. And I'm sure you, you can uh, relate to that. 100%. I mean, you just spend a lifetime idolizing people like yeah. myself, idolizing my favorite skiers. And then all of a sudden you get to this place where you somehow are on an equal footing with them yeah. or you're not necessarily on equal footing, but they treat you like an equal, yeah. they treat you like a, a peer. And it's so hard because in your head, you're like, you ha you're idolizing them still. And it, and it definitely is that beautiful, like full circle moment. Oh, absolutely. Do you have like a specific person that like the first time you met them, you were like, all of them, <laughs> all, all of them, but like to, it, it was just all of them. It was just so cool. Like prior to this, I never saw like a proper dub 10 in person. And I, I walk up and bark rude straps on a snowboard for the second time and does a triple 1440. So it was just like That's moments insane. like that. That is so, so, so insane. Okay. Let's get some odors from bark rude here. Yeah, big oh, Such a good guy, man. So then after this, I guess the next big thing that I can think of to where you kind of like started to play a more pivotal role is like then Red Bull flies you out to Sweden yeah. to narrate Jesper's yeah. world first 
longest rail. So this is also like where luck comes into it. There's a lot of like, you can attribute success to a lot of work, but also to, there's always going to be a little bit of luck in there. And it just happened to turn out that at the, the 2021 nines, uh, Red Bull was one of the newest name sponsors or just sponsors in general. And I ended up linking up with uh, one of the, the affiliates or one of, one of the leaders, Roy on Red Bull Snow. And they heard of my stuff before as well. So I don't know if it was whose idea was, but they said, do you just want to do like a Rebel Snow Instagram takeover on one of the days you're at the nine? So I did that. I did some follow cams of Jesper, some follow cams of Matei, uh, some some stuff of me skiing around the course and whatnot. And they really liked it. So I got back home after a week, two weeks, not sure what was going to happen after this. You know, it was like the biggest moment of my life. Then I wake up to an email from Red Bull and I remember just seeing like Red Bull in my inbox. And it's crazy now because... It's disgusting to say you almost get complacent to it, like getting emails like that now. Like I, I it's so wherever you are in life, always go back to the where, where you came from, so you don't get complacent to what you're doing because it's really important to dial that in and stay like modest and humble, man. But regardless, anyways, I get an email from Red Bull and they're like, "Yo, you just want to fly out? Jesper's trying to slide a, a rail that's 158 meters." Uh, in Sweden, do you just want to come hang out? I was like, okay, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so flew out and the plan was just like for me just to hang out and watch. Like, I don't know what would come of it. Make it maybe make a YouTube video was kind of the plan. But out of nowhere, um, the producer at the time uh, just started filling me in, doing a little bit of narration in the background and whatnot. And um, it was the third day, the final day. We had to leave. I had to leave. Jesper had a full month dedicated to sliding this. So if he didn't get that third day, I wouldn't have been there. But on the last day, I think it was like 100, 140 odd attempts. I forget what the actual number was. Um, I, I also I, I kind of I, I jumped ahead. Anyways, they had me they had me a, a, two GoPros and they want me to start doing follow cams on Jesper. Uh, that wasn't part of the plan. They just thought it would be a good idea. And eventually going up on the T-bar, the last attempt that I was there for, he hit it. He did it. And it... Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was surreal, man. It was crazy to think I was just supposed to be there to hang out. So to be able to narrate this incredible achievement, to be able to document it and film it. So astounding. I, I, that rail was nuts. Very, very cool. But yeah, that was, that was wild. Definitely. I, when you put the backstory, all of a sudden I get like goosebumps because it is crazy <laughs> to think that like, I, I don't know, to me, it's like obviously Jesper's achievement, but like the documentation of it was like, you had such a big fingerprint on that and to think that yeah like he could have gotten it day 10 or like the fact yeah. that that was your last one and you filmed it the whole way with a gopro follow that's just like some universe things oh, it was together. crazy too because you're cooking down i was probably going like maybe 60 70k an hour on the side of it i was barely keeping up to him like he was sliding so fast down that thing it was it was it's so weird to be in such close proximity to somebody sliding the down bar that's that's 450 odd feet you know, so no, I appreciate, I appreciate it. it was, it was so cool to be a part of that. And that really, you know, was a catalyst just for everything else that came afterwards. Definitely. And yeah, now like we almost went on like a world tour, impromptu world tour together last year. Cause you were at the nines and then you're at unrealistic. And it was like, we basically hung out for like a month together. In Europe so last cool, winter. man. Yeah. Even just like sitting here and chatting with you now, like that's to me, like two, two years ago, I wouldn't believe it. I, I think I think you're full of bogus, you know, if you were telling me that. So it's sick, man. It's really, really cool. Definitely. So to bring it back, you were talking about like being humble and whatnot. Like what advice do you have for like the, the young creators out there who maybe see your success and basically want a piece of the pie? It's, it's the biggest thing, man. If you like, it's so cliche to say, but after being able to live it and, and find that 
it's true. Like, I just want to continue to preach it. If you have something that you are stoked on and you are passionate about, tie that in with a hard work ethic and things will happen. Big things will happen. You, you got to be willing to put that work in again. Like for me, it took about four years until I ended up making the decision to pursue this full time. And, and that was a, a lot of work, but at the same time it wasn't. Cause like we we're talking about earlier, I was so passionate and stoked about skiing. That's what I wanted to pursue and things just flow out of that. I think a beautiful example is uh, Francis on TikTok, the guy who reacts to trains passing him. I don't know if you guys have seen him. Um, he's nobody could care less for locomotives, man. Personally, it's a train. Cool. You know, great. But this Francis guy gets so stoked when he sees a train passing him Hoots and hollers, man, and now has led to sponsorships with Gucci. He's multi-million uh, followers on TikTok, all because he just loves trains, you know, and that is the perfect model. If there's something you're stoked on, fill it, push it, pursue it. Definitely. And how do you stay humble these days? Like, for example, how you said always go back to one place. What is the one place for you that you always go back to? I'm a, I'm a big man of faith, like just to put that out there. Like I, I had a lot of struggles with like, um, I, I come from a Christian family, had a, a lot of struggles with depression and whatnot. And eventually I came back to whatever it is for you. For me, it was Jesus. Like Jesus keeps me humble. Like that's one thing for sure. So it's just like God, man, like just always remember that if you exalt yourself, you know, you will, you, it's, it's important to humble yourself so you will be exalted in the future. So that's a big one for me. And also just remembering history, man, remembering your beginnings, remembering where you, where, where you came from. You know, you, you, you are very small, but that doesn't mean you're insignificant. You know, there's so many people going on. There's so many people doing so many things, but it's important to remember that you are small, but you're not in- insignificant at the same time. Definitely. If that makes sense. 100%. And to just piggyback on that, like when I was listening to you at the beginning and describing how like you broke your back and gave up professional skiing and gave up a, a job that you were doing and basically like at that point in time it probably felt like everything was against you but then all of a sudden like you start a youtube channel and then you you know probably it helped you make that dive more into finance and getting out of those labor jobs and there's so many moments where it's like you, it's so easy to be like oh i can't walk or oh i get hung up but really like the something is setting you up like the universe is is pushing you in all these ways and when i look at so much that I feel and so much of my own capabilities, they didn't come through success. They came through like, basically like, for example, why, why, why am I even starting this podcast? It's because throughout my whole ski career, like I couldn't just rely on my skiing. So then I had to figure out how to, you know, make ski movies. And then when I want to make ski movies, nobody was inviting me to be in their ski movies. So then I had to produce those ski movies. And then I figured out I had a passion for producing things, for creativity, for bringing things to life, to talking with people and, you know, if I was just like blessed with the absolute best skiing, I, I wouldn't be here today. And so many of the things that have just helped and propelled me, like all came from like at the time, what would have been like, I would have classified as like a hardship. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's such truth. And again, like it's so hard, I feel like for viewers, because for me, at least, you know, growing up, you have a motivational speaker coming to your school every other week. Uh, you scroll on social media now, you always just hear motivational TikToks. It's like, find something you're passionate about, combine it with a hard work ethic, and you will be successful. And it's so, so cliche. And it kind of, it kind of pisses me off a little bit how cliche it is, but it is so true. 
at the same time, like actually able to be living proof, you yourself, you know, and, and for my endeavors as well, like just work hard on something you're stoked on and good things will come, man. Like that it's, it's living truth. I love it. Definitely. And you know, often things are corny because people, it's like a cliche or corny, yeah. but those things wouldn't be corny if people didn't say it all the time and people say it all the time because there's yeah. a common experience. So yeah. I think there is that like balance. Obviously you don't want to be cliche, but there is some truth in a lot of the cliches out there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. And then tell me now, now you're, you're married. Almost, Almost. engaged. <laughs> yeah. So who's, who's the beautiful bride? Uh, be? Shout out, shout out Robin Jacobs. Uh, man, she is, she, she is so great, man. It was crazy. Like just before I was about to move to Kelowna, like I was, uh, I, again, timeline, I, I, I decided to take YouTube full time at a year left of uni. I still have a year left of uni to do until I, I get my degree, but I decided to drop out then to pursue YouTube full time. So I was either going to move to Revelstoke or Kelowna and about two months before I was supposed to move, I end up going to a hockey game and I'm not like, a sh I, again, respect hockey so much like that it's a wild sport incredibly talented athletes you're canadian you i'm have a canadian to i have to like it but also like it, it's pretty nuts man like what, what they're able to accomplish with the team on skates but i i never i'm not a big hockey fan myself so it's kind of rare for me to go to a hockey game um end up seeing this girl that i actually kind of grew up with uh but never kept in touch with uh, families or still kind of friends which is kind of fun um but anyway she tapped my shoulder turned around i was like whoa hi <laughs> and uh fast track she moved in at my parents house a month later because i was moving or her lease was up and then we moved out to Kelowna together a month later and uh, i proposed a couple months ago and for whatever reason she said yes yeah i look at my youtube videos and it's like if i was an outside viewer i'd be like yo somebody somebody agreed to marry this man so robin <laughs> if you're listening thank you okay she gets some air horns <laughs> perfect i guess uh one of the topics that i wanted to talk about was just like the whole like content landscape yeah. of right now so you're telling me like okay so for example you have these people like yourself like on youtube and you know loving the documentation and then you have people who are out there skiing just for like the just for the the heart and the soul and sort of i guess it's like a very interesting com conversation to have because you have like uh the situation where I think that content creators are becoming more valuable to brands, well as professional skiers might becoming, I don't want to say less valuable, but if you look at the professional skier 15 years ago and the money that they were making and everything for their likeness yeah. versus now, like every skier has to be to some degree a content creator. Yeah. So sort of like, what, what's, what's your opinion on that landscape? Yeah, like first off, I think it's one, a very cool shift that we've seen in professional sports to the point where you can have somebody like myself, you know, like my bag of tricks, dude, so limited. Like I'll maybe toss a double backflip if there's a proper pow jump, but dude, I'm limited to like my cork Mork 7 uh, an upright nine and everything in between that. Like it's nothing excessive. That won't even get you first place in the most junior of junior competitions nowadays. But I'm still like, quote unquote, like a decent skier. I rip around the mountain. I have a blast doing it and I'm fine with my bag of tricks. And now you can have somebody with that level of skiing, like pursue the sponsorships and brand deals with the big companies that 10 years ago, you could only do if you're at the top dog, you know, top dog situation, top levels of competition. So I think that is really cool. But also at the same point i do think it's a it is a little bit sad you know like there's some people like you know the mark andres uh, uh, of the world again sorry if i'm butchering the name but 
because big shout out to him. But some people just want to ski, you know, and a lot of them are fine just doing that, just skiing and not pursuing those deals. But it's also a shame that those people can't get some of those dollars and some of that support because what they're doing is so rad and so cool. But from a business perspective, I mean, it makes so much sense, man. Like you see even Nick Gepper making the shift right now, right? Nick Gepper coming off of how many medals, like one of the most decorated uh, skiers in history. And now seeing if he wants to keep up with, you know, further deals in the future, he needs a, he needs a bigger social media presence. And it makes sense. Like marketing has completely shifted. It's, it's not just happening in, in skiing alone. Like this is, this is a full systemic shift in, in the entire marketing industry. You can now get the equivalent amount of views off of one reel that took you 30 seconds to film as you did 10 years ago off of a $40,000 paid 30 second TV ad on that X games, you know? So I think from a business perspective, it's, it's cool. It's great to see that a lot of people like myself, you know, a little bit underdogs when it comes to skill level can get these cool sponsorships and, and, and brand deals and whatnot and spread the, spread the love of skiing to so many people. But at the same time, it would also be cool to see the people who are still, you know, send in and rep in big, uh, getting some of that, getting some of that exposure as well. What's your thoughts on it? Oh, wait, wait to flip it back. Uh, I think you summed up pretty well. I think there's a beauty in democratization. Like when you look at skiing in the landscape 15 years ago, you basically filmed poor boys or level one yeah. or you were like winning competitions or you didn't have a career. And now there's so many avenues for people to make careers. You even look at it based on like where do people ski? Like mm. before it was like you had to be in these hubs because that's where all the media and all the attention was. So right. you had to be in Breck. You had to be in Park City, maybe Whistler. But there's very few places. And then all these European people are getting completely forgotten about because they're not in those hubs. So I, I really appreciate the democratization. Uh, I also really like it because I, I just enjoy to create things and I enjoy being creative. And if you're a film skier out there, then you kind of have like an advantage because the whole like new landscape involves like being talented with film and everything. But I do see like I'm a little nervous as well of like yeah. like you're saying, because like, there is those people who are skiing and pushing the skiing. And are those people like not being represented enough or not even being represented enough? But like, are we not like nurturing that talent so for example like way back in the day old people only cared about talent and now they care about talent plus your instagram following yeah. plus to this plus to that so i'm a little concerned but i think i think now it's like everything changes and my like biggest take is just like riding the wave mm -hmm. like not being judgmental like i was very judgmental like actually to be quite frank like uh -huh. i thought so it took me so long to kind of change my thoughts around like how I portrayed my skiing because I was, I was very, very caring how other people would perceive me and I'm still very caring how other people would perceive me. So I would just say that when I just chose to just like embrace it, I guess, and kind of just like, you know, like I'm not rolling back, back the clock and where can I like fit in in this landscape and what can I find enjoyment out of? That's like, so that would be, I don't really have advice to people because I don't really think I'm in the position to be giving advice, but I would just say that a lot changed when I just like shift my perspective. But I do think that this is somewhat like a fad. Mm. Like I do think that yeah. there's this huge push towards, it's going to be like a lot about views and media kits and media decks. And then somebody's going to like, and, you know, I don't know if it's one year, five years, 10 years, look around and go, okay, well, what's actually moving the needle? Yeah. Because I am totally not convinced that the people that get the most amount of clicks and that the people who like, for example, are 
on paper the most marketable are actually the people who are moving yeah. the needle in the culture yeah. and you see that with so many like talented skiers and i think the whole capiche brand is like a, yes. a great example of, like yeah. those dudes aren't out there for social media clout but capiche is everywhere can we get a horn for capiche yeah yeah they get some arus <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> shut up furry but that's one of the reasons I, you know, I, I personally look up to you as a, a content creator because I'm inspired by the the path that you took. And I also think it's cool to get different voices and different perspectives. And I also think there's like a stigma around it in the way that like people, I don't know, they have like an idea of like a YouTuber and, and what yeah. that means. Yes. And I think it's cool to like show people that like being a YouTuber doesn't just mean you have to like film daily vlogs and yeah. be corny. Like yeah. you, you just, you, you got to find your lane. And I don't know, passion sounds like for sure, man. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, you can, there's some hesitancy when you tell somebody you're a YouTuber, you're an influencer, but at the end of the day, what does that mean to you? That is such a broad thing. That's basically, uh, what's, what's a good uh, analogy for that one? That's like saying, dude, I don't know, like you're, you're a construction guy. Well, what does that mean? You're, you do build foundation. Are you, you in lumber, you know, are you a welder? What, what do you build? You know, it's such a broad term. And for me, like I'm, I, I'm fine saying I'm a YouTuber because I back that up with, it's the same thing as a business. You need a value proposition. Why are people coming to your videos? What value are you providing? For me, it's like, I just want to give context to skiing and to the incredible extent of gnar that we're seeing and trying to explain that to you because it's so rad in my opinion. For whatever reason, I was just blessed with this brain that just loves big ski stunts. And I just want people to understand how crazy it is. You know, So if, if you can just pitch a value proposition you think you're providing you know a little bit of change into whatever industry you're pursuing i think it's something to be super stoked and proud on for for sure definitely yeah the the value proposition i think that's like the the business side behind skiing i tell people like i spent 25 years getting really good at the skiing part of professional skiing really good let's put that out there in exceptionally good thank you but the last couple of years obviously I, I do want to say that i'm getting better as a skier but what's rapidly growing yes. quicker than my you know my skiing development is the professional aspect and a lot of that had to come from like producing ski films like when you're producing ski films you figure out that you have this beautiful vision you're, you're so passionate you're like I'm, we're gonna change the ski world yeah. and then you go and pitch it to a sponsor and all they care about is what deliverables do i get yes how much does it cost what yes. deliverables am i gonna get what's the reach and you realize pretty quickly that if you want to create these beautiful visions you have to be really good at speaking the language that is going to get the people in power and if you come with a good value proposition then you're going to be able to get budget to create that film that's going to yeah. change things but you can't come at it from it's it's always like what's it in it for me yeah. like whenever I, I pitch a brand and for all the young skiers or business people or whatever like if you're writing an email with that uh it's called i abbreviated to with them what's in it for me like uh. i always <laughs> write the emails when i'm pitching decks and pitching yeah, projects yeah. it's just like okay what does not what's in it for me as alex Hack, but what's in it for me as in like if i'm pitching a company yes. like orienting it towards their needs and how my value proposition yeah. solves the solution and like it was really funny because when I first the first like video that I started pitching sponsors, it was all what I was gonna get out of it. It was all what we were gonna get out of it, and it was very little what they were gonna get out of it. And uh, I would like to think that you know the more and more projects that I pitch, the the more the more and more the value proposition. Well, absolutely. Up. I mean, like with each continual post that you do, even if it's just a quick little TikTok you do, you're building a wicked bundle, a resume. 
you know, that people can just go and scroll. Like a lot of the times, even if a post doesn't perform, but it's at a really cool location, like you'll look at a lot of the posts, like a good example is always the nines. You know, a lot of the times the posts might not perform from the nines, even though a lot of them do, but even just to have that on your page and to show the sponsors, Hey, and you know, this is, this is a possibility stuff like this, you know, showing we can go to events like this. We can have features like this. It's a beautiful resume. So it, it gets better with every post. But one question I have for you that I think is really kind of interesting to get your take on because you're always doing the podcast, you know, you're never getting podcasted no. is, uh, talking about your ski progression. Cause if you guys are not familiar with Alex Hackle, you're listening to this, you don't know what this guy's accomplished. He has done some of the nuttiest street skiing on some of the wildest street features on the entire planet has also come across some of the biggest competitions, X games. He's done it all, man. Um, and he can, he can throw big switch, triple rodeo 12. We saw last year. If you're unfamiliar with that trick, it basically means you're going off a jump backwards, 80 foot jump backwards, doing three full flips while doing three and a half spins it's a big deal what do you think of ski progression right now do you care to progress in skiing we saw at the world junior big air comp in new zealand uh, leo Alondro took home gold for doing a switch triple cork 16 and a triple cork 18 do you have any aspirations to progress your skiing to that level at this point in your career well i just want to answer i have so many aspirations to progress my skiing still uh, in that avenue, in that lane, like, no, like That's I, what I, I was in that avenue, I <laughs> was in that lane, I was doing slope style, big air and I tapped out, like I was one of the first people to do like triple cork 10 wow. and I was like at that first initial wave of the triples and now it's gone super, super crazy. But I also don't think that that's like my lane whatsoever and it hasn't been my lane in a while. And I would say like, I'm really aspirational about progressing in, in the back country right now. And I feel like there's so many ways and sort of like everything that you do helps like another thing so like all the slope style background i have plus all the street skiing background that i have then just put me at such a unique position when i come to backcountry because yeah. all of a sudden i just have like i'm just trained in so many different aspects of skiing than the people who usually end up there so i would say like that's what my like drive is right now is to bring something new to the backcountry uh it would not be whatsoever to make a com competitive comeback in in big air and uh you know i think that it's it's really interesting like that progression like those tricks you just named off like those are some head spinners and like I don't even think I could commentate those events because oh, counting no, the rotations, man. it's like I'm getting outdated and I'm like, I live and breathe this. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're making dub four, dub 18s look like a dub 14 wrap, you know, like you look at an 1800 five full rotations and they're making it look like they're only doing four. Just commentating that self is, is an art, let alone throwing it, let alone throwing the tricks. Um, a funny little kind of tangent is uh, Stephen Kotler, a big author guy I had a, a chance to connect with. Um, he once took part in a workshop where they put VR goggles in uh, on him and a few other people. Uh, and they basically showed off what the athlete sees. And I think just even it was a dub 12, I think like three and a half spins, nothing crazy. And he said like, well, I mean, you can relate to this. I mean, you're spinning 12s. You've done this. It's not a, it's not a thing you see. You have no idea where you are in the air. It's a, it's a matter of feeling. You just feel it. You know when to wrap. It's, a, it's an air awareness thing. Obviously, you have some visual checks here and there, but it just blows my mind that at 1260, it's already at that point. I can't imagine what, you know, Mac Forehand's 21 or Burke Root's Switch Trip 21 at X Games is like, man. Like, Definitely, but I don't, I don't think that that's correct. Like at a dub 12, uh, I, I, I know where I am. Well, you're just better way. than everybody else, Alex. Let's, <laughs> let's put it out there. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I'm thinking that with the 2160s, but I mean, or. Is it 2160, 2180? Yeah, yeah. You see, we don't I, even know I, the I numbers anymore. I don't even know. Anymore. It's too high. Uh, but 
I would say they know. Like they're yeah. so bloody good that like it seems to us like uncalculated madness, but to them it's probably super calculated. Uh, okay, and cool. So I I. I don't know. I push back slightly on that because I, like I do no, think I like there's a, a, a method and that they're more and more talented. And we had an expression back in the day, and this is going to sound like peanuts now, yeah. but it was like the dub 12 is the new cork nine. Because yeah. when I started yeah. slope style competing, yeah. like all like the generation before me, like doing cork nines and switch tens, yeah. that was like what was the highest level. And then all of a sudden we come and you can't just come to, you can't make a finals with a cork nine. Yeah. You have to be doing yeah. the dub 12s. And then now it's like, the trip 16 is the new dub 12 and it's it's just like the the natural progression what's crazy is like what's if this generation is already blowing our minds like what is the generation after this generation and yeah. is it even possible to continue and that's what all generations thought of beforehand so it's just it's a pretty mind-blowing it's like the matrix when you start to think about like yeah. what freestyle skiing will look like yeah slope comps are crazy like to be able to get to the end of that course without with, with, without being so dizzy you fall on you know the side of your head is is crazy like i don't what, what what's it called that dizzy dizziness sickness why am i blind? nausea not not vertigo vertigo how you don't get vertigo at the end of a slope run is crazy like you max out all the rotations they're doing at the end you're probably reaching i don't know like 10 full spins someone crazy like that if not more minus uh, not even including what they're throwing on the jibs now you know so i mean like four four prats four is the new two prats two just like you're saying like the uh 12 is the new nine anyways though yeah it's been it's been very it's it's a, it's interesting to hear your take on that definitely okay well i think we've had an amazing conversation i want to wrap it up with a fun little overrated underrated oh, so i'm good. gonna give you some things and you let's gotta tell me don't cancel overrated, me. underrated <laughs> okay uh k-feds Dude, honestly, sorry, screw the culture's opinion, dude. They they're they're underrated. K feds are sick. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and get canceled for it, but I think they're tight. Okay, lodge food. What? Lodge food. Oh. Well, it depends where you are. Japan, underrated. Uh Europe. Yeah, uh, underrated. America, dude, most over overrated thing on the planet. TikTok. I'm sorry, little little but i'm biased i'm a youtuber baggy pants oh underrated i or just properly rated swerving underrated hand warmers dude if your hands are cold warm them up underrated jib league underrated drake he's a, he's a cool dude never met him I, I, he's as rated as you can get i don't know if you can even go more underrated or overrated on that guy again proper rated taylor swift overrated i'm sorry oh, i don't i don't under i don't understand the, the swifty love okay. I, I appreciate her respect her uh snowboarding again properly rated man like it's if, if you're good at what you do and you love it it's rated okay this one's a layup canada <sighs> honestly it depends again what you're talking about if you're talking about none of it underrated if you're talking about BC, maybe maybe overrated. Like people love it so 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 much, and it's sick. But maybe it gets too much love. I don't know. None of it's underrated though. Shouts out Canada. Last air horn. <laughs> Pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. Yo, thanks so much for having me, Alex. If you guys aren't following this guy on every platform possible, make sure you you, you run that up because he's doing some of the biggest things in ski culture nowadays. Yo, I'm supposed to be plugging you. You're my guest. Follow this guy. <laughs> and also shout out Casey. Yeah, shout out Casey. <laughs> yeah, killing the, man the behind tech. Behind the scenes.